Welcome to In Clear Terms with AARP California. Conversations on issues impacting Californians of all ages. Here's your host, Theon Gordon. Welcome to In Clear Terms with AARP California. Join us as we dive into issues and policies that impact Californians of all ages, particularly older adults, and learn how you can connect with AARP to make our state more livable for all. I am an AARP volunteer and your host, Dr. Theon Gordon. Today, we are joined by Dr. Donna Benton, Research Associate Professor of Gerontology at University of Southern California and the Director of the USC Family Caregiver Support Center to discuss family caregiving. Welcome, Dr. Benton. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Gordon. It's so wonderful to have you on Clear Terms to talk about such an important issue. But before we begin, can you share more about yourself and your work around caregiving? Well, you know, I always like to say that I actually started in the field of gerontology when I volunteered, you know, when you're a student in high school and you have to do your community service. And back then there were the Gray Panthers. And that's what inspired me to go into working with older adults. So I moved forward. I went into geropsychology. And so that's where I got my PhD in geropsychology. And I really, from there, went into more understanding how families work together, particularly when they're challenged with having somebody who has some type of dementia. And then from that research and working forward, I've been now at the University of Southern California in the School of Gerontology and being able to direct a program that was one of the first in the nation to focus on the family caregiver because it's something we all do, but we don't think of ourselves as family caregivers. Absolutely. So I know we're going to talk some more about that, but that's kind of brings you forward to how I ended up where I am. Okay. I thought you were going to go back to, I was the oldest child in my family and I had to take (laughs) care of everybody. Which often happens. We begin our caregiving many times as we grow up as an elder child or even a younger child. Now, every day, millions of Americans help their parents, their spouses, just like we're talking about, and other loved ones remain in their homes where they actually want to be versus being in another place. In clear terms, can you define what a caregiver is? I know many times people don't consider themselves a caregiver, as you just mentioned, but they just might be. Right. So if you are helping, say, someone who before was able to pay their bills and now you're helping them pay their bills more often, or maybe you're going up because you started worrying about your mom cleaning the house and you're helping out with groceries and you're helping her when she goes to the doctor's appointment or making doctor's appointments. That's the beginning of your caregiving journey. Sometimes it's a little clearer because somebody's had a real severe illness, like they've had a stroke. And so then you may not think of yourself as a caregiver. You're thinking of yourself as I'm helping my husband recover from having a stroke, or I'm helping my daughter who's had a traumatic brain injury. But you are the caregiver, but you're also a spouse, an adult child, a cousin, 
a neighbor, a close friend. You can be a caregiver and you're also still in your role of the more personal relationship. Okay. So caregivers are everyday people who are helping others who can't necessarily fulfill the things that they've done in the past. Right. That's the clear terms. (laughs) You said it in far fewer terms than I did. (laughs) Well, thank you for making it clear for me and then I can reframe it. According to a recent AARP report, there are nearly 48 million caregivers in the United States and 4.7 million caregivers in California alone that are caring for someone over the age of 50. Caring for a parent, spouse, or other loved one, that is like a 24-7 job. It's something that is emotionally, physically, and financially challenging. And I want to dive into each of these aspects. Can you speak a little bit about the physical and emotional challenges or tolls of caring for a loved one? And then maybe we can talk about some resources to support caregivers. Absolutely. You know, as we're caring for somebody, we always think we don't have the illness. So we may not recognize right away how it is impacting us physically and emotionally. Because, well, I don't have Alzheimer's disease. I'm not the person with Parkinson's. But by caring for someone else, what sometimes happens for caregivers, and more often than it should, is that you forget to take like your regular exercise. You may not be eating as well as the person that you're feeding. You may, you know, it's like your meals are going to become secondary. You may be getting them to the doctor's appointments, but guess what? You forget to make your own doctor's appointments. So you're not keeping up on your health needs. Also, if you're lifting somebody or even assisting somebody with lifting someone and having to worry about their schedule, that can be taking a toll. A lot of caregivers, you know, have more muscle aches. Their blood pressure tends to be higher than people who aren't caregivers. It takes a physical toll. Emotionally, sometimes you may find that you've withdrawn from your social group and you've withdrawn from your normal activities because you're so focused on making sure that the quality of life for the person you're caring for is to the best that you can give, but you're not giving enough to yourself. So emotionally, you may become isolated. Many people report feeling sad and blue and a lack of interest in other things so that they start becoming depressed. You may become anxious because you're worried that you're not doing enough for that person. But that kind of sense of isolation and loneliness, even though you're with someone all day long, like you said, 24-7, That's really what can get to a caregiver. And you might also find that you're a little short-tempered at times because you get frustrated. Yeah, I see some of the frustration come out in some friends who actually are caregivers for different people. And even as I'm trying to assist and help people, I did a series for the healthcare professionals called Self-Care for Healthcare during covid Because I found so many healthcare workers and first responders were responding to others, but not responding to their own needs. And that one little resource just blew like wildfire all over the healthcare industry. And people wanted to take that course. And and I just began to offer it. It was a free offering that I wanted to give during that particular time of COVID. What are some of the other resources that 
caregivers can use? First of all, what you're saying is find classes, what you did, like an education class, get information, right? So classes, I think, are just wonderful. Besides classes or, or courses or, you know, wherever you can get information, I always say if you can check out a support group. There are support groups all over there. Now they're more online, so you don't necessarily have to drive and go to a support group, but you can find a group of other people that are going through the same thing that you're going through. And you may say, well, I don't know those people. You can try more than one support group until you find one where you mesh, but you have to try it three times. If you go one time, you're only getting one perspective, but I usually say try it at least, go to the same support group at least three times so you can get a sense of the support group leader, who's in the group, and you can just listen. You don't have to bear your heart right at the first one. Sometimes we actually need to do that right away, but I think support groups are, are really important. Obviously, in California, we're fortunate because we have the Caregiver Resource Center system, and so I run the LA Caregiver Resource Center that serves all of Los Angeles County, tip to tip. So, you know, everywhere that you live in, anywhere in the Los Angeles area, there's a Caregiver Resource Center. And they provide really, think of it as a one-stop shopping place for caregivers so that you can go and you'll have your support groups, you'll have education programs, you'll get one-on-one individual, you get a family consultant, and that's the person you can call and they're going to be able to help you answer questions. And you can call them and say, hey, you know, this is going on. What's another resources? Because resources change. So the one thing about resources is you may learn about a resource now, but there may be a new one or a new social service that's there. So I think it's always important to have somebody you can check back in and say, has something changed or something's changed with my relative and I need a different resource, a legal resource. Dr. Benton, I love this idea of the Caregiver Resource Center. This is something new that the listeners may not know about. Tell us, how do we get in touch with this Caregiver Resource Center, which I'm going to just guess has all sorts of resources for people who are caregivers? Absolutely. So it's the California. Well, I always like to say, you know, Google, you can search under the California Caregiver Resource Centers. And then so you can go online under the California Caregiver Resource Centers, which is caregiver California, all one word, dot O-R-G. So caregiver California dot O-R-G. And when you go on that page, you're going to be able to see right away, you can put in your zip code, you can look at a map and find yourself, but there's a caregiver resource center somewhere in California to help you. I'm sure our listeners are going to be very happy to know about that resource center. Many people in California, as we see, as it said, 4.7 million caregivers in California, and many are caring for loved ones with Alzheimer's and dementia-related illnesses. And this can be especially difficult. What advice would you have for caregivers who are truly struggling and really, even though they may look at the Caregiver Resource Center, they feel like they don't really have a place to go for help? Well, first of all, the Caregiver Resource Centers are specialists in dementia. That is their specialty. That's what they were designed for, for caregivers who are caring for somebody with dementia. So that's always a good resource. You can always also reach out to a statewide. There are the Alzheimer's Association 
And so you can look at Alzheimer's Association if the person is suffering from Alzheimer's. But any association, there's Parkinson's associations, there's MS. So you can go for disease-specific And so that's always good to learn more specifically about your disease, and then they may have resources from there. I think particularly for dementia, one of the things that we've learned over time is that for the caregiver, you have to understand that it's going to be longer, your care journey. And during that journey, things are going to change for both the person you're caring for, but also for what your needs are going to be as a caregiver. So one of the things that we always say is that we really emphasize being able to take a break. And so that's one of the services that we have, which is respite for family caregivers. And so respite comes in several forms. There's the having somebody else come in to watch your loved one while you go do something like Maybe just go lay down and take a nap. Maybe you go out and walk around and you're not worried like, oh, what's going on while I'm taking this walk? You go visit a friend. But there's also the other type of respite, which we offer is teaching you how to take those brief mental breaks. Sometimes we have to learn how to do meditation and how to do just deep breathing or taking stress management All of those things are also other ways that you can give yourself respite so that you can relieve the stress off your body, your mind. And those can be very brief. And you can do that without having someone else come in. But you'll find that it really gives you energy so that you can continue doing what you love. Those are great resources and great tips, especially for this generation of 50 plus. I know I'm in the 50 plus and we're go, go, go. So we don't think of meditation as a form of relaxation and exercise for us, exercise for our brain, exercise for our emotions, exercise for our physicality as well. Many times we overlook those simple things like just stopping to meditate and breathe. And I love the idea of taking that respite time and having someone else to watch or care while you take a break to care for yourself. Caregiving, of course, we talked about it taking this physical and an emotional toll, but it also can have a financial toll on people as well. A new study by AARP shows just how much housing and medical expenses can add up and disproportionately hurt those who can least afford it. Nearly 8 in 10 caregivers report having routine out-of-pocket expenses related to looking after their loved one. And the typical annual total is significant, about $7,242. On average, family caregivers are spending 26% of their income on caregiving activities, according to the results of a national study. And it's just a lot of strain and stress. The strain is even greater on Latinas and African-Americans and on younger caregivers who have less time to work and build up resources. Can you speak a little bit more on the financial strain family caregivers face and what resources are available to support those caregivers? Thank you for getting that message out there. One of the things that we've been working on with AARP is specifically around financial strain. Where I am and anybody can join, we have a course, a five-week course called Confidence And it helps the caregiver think through what are some of the financial decisions that you can make 
that might help balance and take away some of that financial strain. So for example, learning tips about, are you making sure that your relative is using all of the things that they're eligible for? Because maybe there's a prescription program where you've been helping your relative pay for out-of-cost prescription prices, but they may actually be eligible so that you can reduce that kind of financial things. We learned about maybe that you're paying extra for somebody or your relative is spending more on their electric and gas bill. We know how utilities are going up. And there are actually programs within those electric bills, gas bills, internet bills, where the older adult may actually qualify, and then you may not have to be paying all of that extra for your relative. So we talk about that in the class. We also talk about thinking about when some people leave the workforce early and how is that going to impact you in the long run? And are there alternatives? Do you know about paid family leave in California and changes that have occurred in being able to be eligible for paid family leave? And how long do you take it? Or should you be taking intermittent leave under paid family leave, which means that you may not have to leave the workforce, but it would allow you to go to those doctor visits regularly with your relative or when you need a day off to take care of your relative. So understanding how to balance some of those financial things and then setting things up for the future so that you don't end up in poverty or having not having the right resources yourself as you're caring for your relative. And, you know, making decisions about, oh, should my relative move into my house? Should I move in with them? Yes. All of those have huge financial implications and understanding about how to make sure that you don't co-mingle funds so that maybe your relative becomes disqualified from some type of public service. So it's a five-week course. Tell us a little bit more about how do you get involved in that course? Right now, the confidence program is you can call 1-800-540-4442 and you can ask for the confidence program. Right now, it's being done in Spanish and I'll tell you why. We're doing it in Spanish because Right now, we found that from the AARP study that the highest out-of-pocket costs are from Latino caregivers. And so we have it in Spanish. We will be offering it also. We had it in English earlier. Now we're offering it more in Spanish. So at least it's good to call. And if we don't have a class going and it's all online, so that's the nice part. So you can call in or you can be on Zoom. And so you can be anywhere in California. And at least you could get on the wait list for the next class because they run five weeks and then there's a break. You have to try at least three times. You've already told us that's the the key. Three times trying. It's okay. So that class is called Confidence. It's a five-week course and the number is 800-540-4442. What a great class to learn how to take care of our families and have some financial savings. So you mentioned paid family. Can you explain a little bit more about what that is and how it might work for a caregiver? Right. So in California, we were one of the first, it's been 22 years where we adopted paid family leave. And so what that is, if you're working now, not all jobs, if you pay into disability insurance, so you can kind of look at your paycheck and see if you pay into disability insurance, you can take time off to care for somebody, let's say for a relative. 
And you may sometimes, most people take it for bonding or when they, you know, for when you have a baby. And so a lot of people use it for that, but you can actually use it for if you're caring for somebody and you need to take time off to set up care. Many times we don't realize is that you don't have to take it all at one time. So, you know, it's six or eight weeks all at one time. For many caregivers, you might want to do it where you you need to have like a week or you have a regular scheduled appointment. And so that you know that you need to take it a couple of days a week to get somebody to a doctor's appointment. And you may take it every month. And that's called intermittent paid family leave. So you don't have to take one bulk piece of it. You can take intermittent leave and help your family member. Right. Now, you have to go on, you know, the disability insurance website and look at the qualifications. So I, that's always gets a little more complicated. And we do have paid family leave. We will be having more workshops around paid family leave in the coming 2023. But at least right now, you can always look at call you if you're at work, talk to your human resources person and they can tell you about it. So you can just say, I want to understand more about paid family leave and start with your HR department. Start with the HR department and then maybe take a look at the caregiver resource center. Definitely. We have things on paid family leave on our website. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, studies show that as our population is aging and family sizes are shrinking, there is a higher demand for caregivers. What is being done to address this issue? I have a friend right now that I'm actually assisting because she doesn't have family and it's been rather challenging. I didn't think of myself as being a caregiver. Both my parents have passed away. My siblings are all over the place, but now I'm trying to care for someone who's a little older than me or or maybe right around my age. What is being done to address the issue of the shortage of caregivers? So there's something called the California Master Plan for Aging. And under that Master Plan for Aging, there's on goal four under caregiving is that within the next 10 years, there will be at least a million paid caregivers. And so in California, they are beginning to look at pay scales and wages for paid caregivers. They're improving training, and this year legislation was passed to have better training for paid caregivers. But between wages and training and really having a career pathway for those paid caregivers, I think that's going to help with the quality of caregiving. And they really are pushing to hire more people, and California is committed to making paid that work. We already know it's valuable, but respect it. Yeah. And part of respect comes with showing different wages, but also helping educate and support that workforce. So workforce development is part of the master plan for aging. And if you want to monitor the master plan for aging, go ahead and go onto Google and look under the California master plan for aging. And you can monitor how they're doing on reaching that million new caregiver goal. Okay, we will definitely do that. The master plan for aging within this master plan. I know recently there has been this California task force on family caregiving that has just convened. What is going on and what stemmed from this program? What are we seeing happen with this task force on family caregiving? We used to be called the California task force. We're now called the California Coalition 
on family caregivers because we're bringing together lots of different people and we want caregivers to be part of this coalition. So we are really going to look at policies and bills that will help the family caregiver. So we are looking at workforce bills. We're trying to educate throughout California, making sure that there's enough education for family caregivers on, you know, whatever you want to know about. Like you ask about finances and respite and where are support groups. So we want to make sure that the policies that are in California are supportive for family caregivers. And we want to educate the, you know, elected officials about the issue of caregiving and what caregivers need. So one of the things that I'm really calling for is for caregivers to join the coalition. Okay. All right. All of us are caregivers, so we all need to join the coalition. And by joining, it's getting on the mail list so that you will be informed when we need to take action because your voices have to get heard. So Dr. Benton, do you want to tell us how we might join the coalition? You're going to give me the information and we can post that on our website. Well, you have given us so much great information today. The master plan for aging, we will definitely look at that and understand it better from the information you've shared. We have our caregiver resource center that we can look at and we have the classes that you're talking about, Confidence, a five-week course to help us financially as caregivers. Thank you so much for joining us on episode 11 of In Clear Terms with AARP California. Do you have any last comments before we wrap things up? I just want to say as a caregiver, the first thing is it's so important to take care of yourself because we always say, what will happen if I'm not there? And in order for you to be there in the long run, you need to take breaks. You need to recognize that you have to care for your own health, both mental and physical, so that you can fulfill what you want to do and what you're committed to doing, which is being there for your relative. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Benton. That is the instructions we get every time we board a plane. Put your mask on first. And it's so challenging for us to do that as caregivers. It's not selfish to care for yourself because actually what you're doing is caring for the other person by extending your health and well-being. I love that. So it's not selfish to do self-care. That is coming straight from Dr. Benton in clear terms. Do self-care. Thank you so much. Again, we've had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Donna Benton, Research Associate Professor of Gerontology at University of Southern California and the Director of the USC Family Caregiver Support Center to discuss family caregiving. In future episodes, we look forward to hosting experts and elected officials who can shed light on critical issues in our state, how AARP California is working to ensure the voice of those ages 50 plus is heard, and how you, our listeners, can learn more and act on these important decisions. Thank you for listening to In Clear Terms with AARP California. 